0: Welcome to the journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and this week, how did misinformation about the coronavirus spread on WhatsApp in Ireland? Now, obviously, this week is like no other, and that is reflected in how we are recording this podcast. Um, I am currently at my kitchen table in my one-bed apartment in Dublin I am underneath a blanket joining me underneath this blanket is my computer um, my microphone my recording equipment and my phone and on my whatsapp call are our producer Nikki Ryan um, our deputy editor and executive producer Christine Bohun and reporter Sean Murray so bear with us if it sounds a little bit different to usual and if we have any technical difficulties Now, I presume some of you, or probably all of you, have got some version of this message over WhatsApp in the past week. Hey guys, just to let you know, I'm speaking to my friend who is a guard and just out from a conference. Full lockdown being announced at 11am tomorrow to come into effect from Tuesday. Shops will only be open for a certain amount of time each day, with army outside only allowing certain amount of people in each time. He said, make sure you buy bottled water and any baby stuff required. Now, it's Wednesday and nothing of the sort has happened. Am I surprised? Absolutely not, because at the journal.ie we've been running a debunked initiative for all things COVID-19 as part of our fact-checking project. It is the first time we have seen this much misinformation and disinformation being circulated widely across Ireland, and most of it is happening through WhatsApp. This is obviously a really scary time for people who are consuming news at levels not seen in the past few decades, and actually maybe ever. Certainly in our last 10 years of the journal.ie, we haven't seen anything like it. So, how has this been the topic to see false news rear its ugly head in Ireland? To help answer that question, as I said, I'm joined by Deputy Editor and Executive Producer Christine Bowen, who has been running the debunked project, and Sean Murray, who fact checked some of the most viral claims so far. Christine, I gave your titles there as if you weren't busy enough. <laughs> um, but can you kind of let us know when we first started noticing the misinformation to the point that? we thought, felt it needed its own initiative and its own project.
1: Yeah, it all started about three weeks ago. So at the end of February, when we started seeing these um, untrue messages going around on WhatsApp. And I'd say the first one that a lot of people would have seen would have been a variant of one which said, Look, I heard this from a Garda friend, there are cases of coronavirus in the matter, in Vincent's and Beaumont, there's a media blackout and it's going to break out soon. And it had all the hallmarks of what was to come and what we're seeing now, which is that it's a message in which somebody says that there's an authoritative source. They're talking about their friend who's a Garda and um, the message claims to know more than is currently out in the media. And it also says that people aren't being told things, that people are being, um, that some information is being held back. Um, and it was really unusual because Ireland generally has very, very low levels of false news or of misinformation. We know if we look at other countries, like, say, in the US, obviously, the stories around, say, Trump, there's a huge amount of false news there. Also, with, say, Brexit in the UK, we've never we've never had that. We don't have that kind of um, climate, I guess, of, of false news and misinformation. We've seen very, very small levels here. And often it's been about kind of particular stories. So things like, say, the Eighth Amendment referendum or the Jobstown trial, but it's never gained traction over time or over um, over different uh, news events. So it's almost kind of like we've we've skipped a step, that we've, we've leapfrogged over like widespread misinformation on Facebook and on Twitter, and we've jumped straight through WhatsApp far more than any other platform. So that's where the misinformation around coronavirus is, is being shared now.
0: And so tell us a little bit about the debunking project specifically. What kind of things have we seen through
1: that? Well, we started this at the start of March, and I think the re- part of the reason we started it was that Everyone wants to feel useful um, in this crisis. And as journalists, this felt like something that we could do, something that would be a public service. Um, So we started off by asking people to email us in what they saw because we knew there was a lot of false information out there. And we wanted to get an idea of just how much there was and also what were people hearing. Because, you know, we were getting it on our own uh, WhatsApps, but just that's, you know, you can't take what you're seeing on WhatsApp as being indicative of what everyone was seeing. So we wanted to have a way of kind of cataloging it and looking for themes and, and just figuring out, like, how bad a problem was this? Because, we, you know, we had a hunch, but we weren't sure. Um, so last Friday, we set up a WhatsApp number so that readers could send the messages to us directly. And that's really when the floodgates opened. We've been getting hundreds of messages every single day. And um, we've gotten over a thousand at the moment. And, you know, we haven't, we've publicized the number a little bit, a bit, but we haven't done a huge amount of it. So what we're seeing is just that there's a huge amount of misinformation here. What we saw very quickly was that there have been kind of three waves of misinformation the first wave was messages saying that there were cases in hospitals around Ireland and they were about to be confirmed. Once the first case in Ireland was actually confirmed, we saw a second wave of misinformation and that was that there were messages saying that there were loads of undisclosed cases that the public wasn't being told about. The third wave was all about there being an imminent lockdown and that's really where the amount of misinformation ramped up, particularly over the weekend just gone. Just There was just a huge volume of messages saying that there was going to be a lockdown, that the army would be patrolling the streets. And I think those messages are kind of quietening down a little bit more now. Um, there hasn't been as many of those messages around, kind of since Patrick's Day. So I think what I'm interested in is is that going to come back? Are we going to see more messages about a lockdown, or are we going to see a fourth wave of misinformation? Are we going to see more rumours being spread, and if so, what are they? Because I, I I don't think this is going to go away anytime soon. But it's just more. What does it change into? What does it What does it mutate into?
0: Yeah, because I think I um, fact checked one of them myself. Um, and just to give a sample of of a different one to people, it was on Sunday night. Um, it, it's started to go around that there was four young people in Cork University Hospital who were in a serious condition with COVID-19 and their condition had worsened because they had been treated with ibuprofen, um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. So this was something that was really interesting because there was two parts to the message. The first part was the four people in uh, CUH and the second part was a warning about the use of ibuprofen. Um, We felt this was really important to fact check straight away so it was about half eight on Sunday night and because the HSE and the government know that this is a big problem, they've obviously been at pains to say it, Dr. Colin Henry who's the HSE's chief clinical officer got on the phone um, on a request from us at the journal to explain the, the two parts of the message. First he said it was absolute complete lies and totally untrue to say that there was four young people in CUH in serious condition because of COVID-19. He said there was absolutely no patients of that description in the hospital. He said false messaging like this greatly harms our collective ability to fight the virus. And on the ibuprofen claims, uh, the Fre- a French minister had tweeted that there was a hypothesis that ibuprofen could aggravate the symptoms of COVID-19 if you are being treated as a patient diagnosed with COVID-19. Nowhere did he say that it was probably Problematic for the general public population um, to take ibuprofen if they have been prescribed or directed to by their doctor or a pharmacist. And when you kind of looked at it, Chris, I kind of thought this is why it's confusing for people. People who were making these messages were making them sound authoritative by putting a tiny kernel of truth into it and then padding it out with complete lies.
1: Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's the reason why so many people are being caught out by this by these messages. It's that they sound authoritative. That they sound like there could be something. Um, There could be something to them. You know, it isn't. people aren't just sharing these messages because, you know, they're malicious or they're being cynical and they don't care if they're not true. I think a lot of the times people are sending these messages because they're scared, they're looking for information, and they feel like maybe they're not getting the information that they want. And when they get these messages, they feel like they're doing something useful. And really, they're feeling a little bit more in control. Like they're thinking, "Okay, I know something other people don't know. I'll try and share this with people I know that I'm close to. And it feels like I can kind of make a plan or I know what's really going on. And it's plugging a gap that might be left um, that people might feel is being left um, by, by from government or the media.
0: Yeah, because one of those things about the media blackouts, is there anything the media can do to fight that theory that we're blacking stories out? There was a study done a couple of years ago
1: about why people share fake news. And it found that if people actually stopped and thought about it for a second, they they, they would kind of go, oh, hang on a second, this isn't true. And I why am I sharing this if it isn't true? And they looked at things like, say, you know, remember that story that went around about whether Hillary Clinton was operating a, a child sex ring out of a pizza shop, which sounds crazy when I'm saying the words, but it was one of the most shared stories in the US um, a couple of years ago. And in this study that they did, they found that when people were asked about it and had a time, time to think, they went, oh yeah, that is suspect. And I think if people are getting messages about a media blackout, you have to kind of stop and think about it. Wait, why would there be a media blackout? Like every newsroom in the country at the moment, I would say is pulling long hours, like journalists are working so hard to try and get as much information as they can out there. Because this is a story where you want to be getting the information out to people. We've no reason, journalists have no reason not to be getting this information out to people. Why Why would it be in our benefit for there to be a blackout? And I think once people who are seeing these WhatsApp messages see this, they have that moment of like, oh yeah, hopefully they will have that moment of saying, why would journalists have a blackout? What, what are we trying to hide? So I would kind of think that if people can stop and think and also just have kind of the media literacy to kind of think about these stories that might help too
0: christine just before i move on to sean and his um debunking i just have a two-part question and both are why so it's a difficult enough one why had fake news not taken hold in ireland before and why is this story different or do we know anything about that yet?
1: So Ireland is different from other countries for a couple of reasons and firstly we have a much lower volume of false news generally than other countries but also the false news stories that are spread here are different so a lot of places will a lot of countries particularly the US, the UK and across Europe might see viral hoaxes so things like the Pope has come out to support Donald Trump in his election, or Michelle Obama gave the finger to Donald Trump at the White House. Ireland never sees these kind of viral hoaxes, um, and we also don't see the kind of recurring themes that stick around for years that we see in other countries. Again, Brexit, Trump, and um, across Europe, there is so many, so much false news around the issue of migration, and Ireland never really saw these stories. And they're ones that feed into confirmation bias or existing fears of an audience. So. Ireland has seen time-specific ones, like say around the water protests, but generally they just fade away quite quickly. So they've never quite latched on. And I think there's a few reasons for it, but partly I think the political discourse is just different here to other countries that we never had the left-right split that other countries had after the recession, which led to polarisation in a lot of other countries. And once you have polarisation, then you've got the perfect conditions for false news to flourish. And because Ireland didn't have that, we don't have that polarisation um, as much as other countries do where fake news is, is particularly bad. Also, we don't have partisan news organizations. Um, we don't have, you know, there there are low levels of disinformation, but it hasn't really been baked into the national discourse. We see it on, you know, a couple of small Facebook pages which speak to a small audience and occasionally something will break out and, you know, that one post will do well. But generally, it just it just hasn't caught on. And partly as well, you know, we don't have public figures spreading disinformation like, you know, there is in the US with Donald Trump, for example, or with kind of put, with interest groups across other countries. So Ireland has kind of got this unique set of circumstances, which has served us really well. I mean, we've been so lucky not to have the kind of plague of false news that, that so many other countries have, have had. And, you know, not to discount the bit that we, we have seen some, but it's much more like whack-a-mole. It's more like, you know, the odd one story will pop up and be shared around a bit and then hopefully gets debunked or people don't pay attention to it. Um, so I think Ireland's been really lucky. In, in that way.
0: Yeah, un- until now, Sean, if just bring you in there um, so you can tell us, because you did um, fact check the kind of initial big viral one, which initially started out as a voice note on WhatsApp um, telling us that the Defence Forces were preparing for a status red lockdown.
2: I think this one in particular is very interesting because just to go back over some of the examples that you were giving earlier on, this is really the masterpiece of the genre, as it were. Um, it's important to put it in context. So on Thursday, the Taoiseach announced something kind of unprecedented that schools would close, creches would close, colleges would close. Like for a lot of people, we've never seen anything like this. And then for Friday morning, I know myself, like a lot of other people, we woke up to this WhatsApp voice note. And as you guys both said, it sounded quite authoritative. It sounded as if it was um, someone within the Defence Forces talking to colleagues. It, it tells listeners that they need to be in the barracks early on Monday morning. It tells listeners the equipment they need to bring with them. And it also says, it says the Taoiseach will make an announcement at 8am. And following this so-called announcement, which came down from HQ, the army will be patrolling the streets to make sure that the public is observing the so-called lockdown, this red alert lockdown that was coming into effect. And obviously, as we know, Monday came and went and nothing of the sort happened.
0: So how did you go about debunking it?
2: Well, first, first of all, I heard the message myself and it was being shared with me from a few different sources and like, anyone who's heard it, like there's something that just sounds a bit off from it, but people were sharing it anyway. So I said, okay, if it's the defence forces that are going into this red alert lockdown, the first people to call are the defence forces themselves. And uh, on Friday morning I gave um, the spokesperson for the defence forces a call and I said here uh, this this message is being shared around quite widely. It sounds a bit off. What what are your what, what's your take on it? And um, I, I thought it was quite refreshing from the spokesperson for the defence forces. It's like they were they were happy to be given a chance to say how rubbish this is and how 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 awful it is to be spreading this mis- misinformation. The spokesperson actually said to me was is that it was unhelpful and irresponsible. And of course he said that there was no substance whatsoever to these claims.
1: Sean when I heard that that message um, at the same time, probably as a lot of people did on Friday, the first two red flags I think that struck me were firstly, if this was about a lockdown, an emergency situation, why were we hearing about it two three or four days in advance? Um, and then secondly, the way that the person speaks in that message, it sounds like he's either reading it out or it sounds like maybe he's rehearsed it because there's no gaps. There's no moments where he says, "um" or "ah" or stumbles or anything. He's just very like he just speak, goes right through it as if it's like an actor or someone just saying their lines. And I think, you know, for people hearing these messages, listen out for things like that. I mean, first of all, the likelihood of someone sharing that message from the defense forces through a WhatsApp message I mean that's not how we're going to hear about it if there is going to be a lockdown. You're not going to get a WhatsApp message from your mate. Um, there's going to be there would be a public announcement. But then secondly, like listen to the actual the way that he speaks. I was really struck by how performative it seemed or how unlikely it seemed that this was this was a true message.
2: But I I think that's I think that's why um it would have been shared so widely. Like um our Story debunking this this claim was read by so many people on Friday, and I think it's because so many people had spread it around. Like as you, as you say, he sounds so confident. It sounds like he's reading it out. But by sounding that confident, it kind of gives uh, an authority to what he's saying.
0: So as you said, Sean, over 300,000 people read that on our site alone. I know the Irish Times also did a version um, to say that there was no truth to it, um, that the defence forces had been told to get to the barracks next week um, so that they could help and aid um if they were needed it's what's called a status yellow alert not a status red lockdown and um, so again going back to being this tiny 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 kernel of truth that is padded out with this with these falsehoods um, but it still had a second iteration so even though all of those hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people read on Friday that it was totally untrue the message reared its head in a different iteration again
1: um, over the weekend. Yeah, and I think this second message was even more popular than the first one, um, based on the amount of times we got it sent to our uh, debunking phone line. It was a man speaking, saying that his best friend works for a, a hire car company. Um, and this friend had been in a meeting with the Gardaí, with the HSE, with the Defence Forces. And he said that they have all purchased cars to, to deal with the coronavirus. And so far, I mean, I mean, we know now that that's accurate, that the Gardaí have purchased or hired cars to, to be able to provide community supports um, in the coming weeks. But what happens then in the in the message is that the man says that you know this isn't going to make I'm not saying this to make you panic but and he says that there's going to be a lockdown it's going to be 14 days complete lockdown and um, public transport is going to be cancelled army will be patrolling the cities that shops will be closed it's it's similar to the the first message in that it's very authoritative it's very clear um, there's no kind of extra lang- uh, you know extraneous language in it he's just direct and says this is what's happening and it it sounds real.
2: And that, that's, that's why I think it's so interesting because you're, you're talking about that kernel of truth and there always is, there are, like, with these ones that go very popular, there is a kernel of truth to them. And I think why they're, they're being spread so widely and being shared so widely as well is because we are in such unprecedented times where it, like the stuff that is happening, the stuff we know for sure, like schools closing, even pubs closing down on Sunday, this has never happened here before. So there's this kind of information gap, gap on WhatsApp in particular where people are spreading these kind of rumours that are gaining that traction.
0: Has the government said anything?
2: So they, they, they've been quite strong on it. They're for At every opportunity they've been given, they've kind of said, here, look, this is this is bogus to be listening to this kind of stuff on WhatsApp and Facebook and things like that. Then Simon Coveney came out the, uh, on Monday morning, it was, and he said that these messages are being created to deliberately cause panic. And he's urging everyone to just think before you spread this message, follow trusted sources. I know the Taoiseach was saying that as well and he singled out whatsapp he said i'm urging everyone to please stop sharing unverified info on whatsapp groups he said these messages are scaring and confusing people and causing real damage and he urged people to follow likes of the hsc and the world health organization what the government are saying and what the the department foreign affairs all these kind of bodies who are releasing information he said that these are the people you should be listening to yeah
0: and as i said earlier they have been at pains to make sure they're giving experts to us at any time or day and night so that we can continue our debunking and that we are doing it with, with the expert voices that and we need.
2: As you know yourself, that, that's that's such a rarity in itself that press offices would be so forthcoming with, with with being proactive and helping us to kind of debunk these kind of things
0: yeah like it, when you're sitting in your kitchen table at 20 at like 20 to 9 on a sunday evening and you're able to talk to the clinical lead of the hsc you know you're in extraordinary times um, christine what's happening in other countries are they seeing the same types of
1: misinformation or sharing of messages of this type it's probably the first time that we've ever seen a global wave of misinformation about one topic so i've been talking to fact checkers in other countries and they've been saying that they're seeing the same levels of false news that ireland is seeing as well and what's interesting is that a lot of the the stories are similar in that they're seeing ones around ibuprofen around the army being called up um around kind of filling in the gaps in the things that we're seeing here in ireland too so i know that there are journalists working in countries around the world trying to debunk these stories too um and i think it's a really interesting example of are we going to be seeing more of these kind of stories in the future
0: is there anything that whatsapp and facebook can do about it
2: well, see, see, Facebook can. So if you log on to Facebook today and you might be searching for stuff to do with the coronavirus or even just going onto your homepage, there actually is information that pops up along the lines of to get official information, click this link and it could be a link to the HSE or Department of Health, which is obviously very good. And I know that um, YouTube are doing something similar below their videos related to the coronavirus, but it's WhatsApp is the real problem here because WhatsApp messages are encrypted. The only people who know what a WhatsApp message says are the person who sends it and the person who receives it. So there's that kind of information gap there that I was talking about earlier on where people can, can kind of proliferate these messages and they can keep going from place to place. And I, I think that's interesting as well because WhatsApp for a lot of us is a kind of relatively newer medium compared to say Facebook. Facebook's been around for a lot longer but um, lots of people are on WhatsApp now and it fits Oh a person I know their brother is in this is in the gendarmerie or is in the defense forces it comes with that kind of sense of authority and it's happening out there where kind of the official sources can't really penetrate it.
0: Yeah because I think other countries um have fines in place if you forward disinformation on but it's not the kind of society we live in here so i think media literacy like you talked about there sean and christine you mentioned earlier is probably how we tackle this do you have any tips christine for people about how to use whatsapp particularly because it it does have penetration across all age groups now it's not it's not just a young person's forum or a digital native forum
1: i think that the most important thing that people can do is to stop and think and check when they get something on WhatsApp that they think might look a little bit dodgy. So the first thing is to have a look at where the message is coming from. Is it is it someone you know? Do they have a source for the information? Are they saying that, you know, this has just come from the of Radcar's public address to the nation or from the HSC website? Or are they saying that the information comes from someone that they know? Because loads of the information, those of the false news being spread right now is people claiming that the message comes from a friend of theirs. So, you know, my my cousin's husband is a garda, or you know, as as we've said throughout this, I mean, it's it sounds authoritative, but so I'd think if people get one of these messages, have a look for yourself, do a quick Google search, see if the information is being reported anywhere else. If it's just from this one WhatsApp message, be cautious about it. Don't pay that much heed to it until you can get it verified by by somebody else, um, and see how you. I think an important thing is to see how you feel after you read one of these messages. Because a lot of these false stories are, are designed to make people feel panicked. So they're manipulating your feelings. They're making you feel, you know, you're more likely to share it because of you're panicked after reading something. So if you do feel like that, check the story out. See if it's really true. And I think for everyone, it's probably a good idea to have find some news sources that you do trust. Um, Irish media is good compared to, to other countries. And there's a lot of strong news sources out there. So find someone that you trust. Maybe it's a newspaper, a radio station, a radio show, an app. TV news, whatever it is, a journalist on Twitter, just find a source, find somebody that you trust and that you feel you can pay attention to and see, are these people talking about this WhatsApp message? Is there really a lockdown? Well, hang on, why isn't this on any of these news outlets that I I check every day? You know, so I think just kind of having that level of media literacy and just being smart. Nobody wants to be the person sharing the stupid information or the wrong information in their group. And, you know, we all want to be helpful, especially at a time like this. You want to, you know, have solidarity. You want to be doing what you can. So I think like what we can do, like what everybody listening can do is like pay attention to the messages you're getting on WhatsApp. And before you share them, think about, hang on, is this true? Why am I sharing this? Is it just going to create a bit of panic for the people I send it to? Or do I know that it's actually true? So try and be that person, be the, be the responsible person, I think is the most helpful thing.
0: Yeah. And if you're in a group, don't feel bad about questioning something that somebody else has put in or send back a link from something that you do know to be true and say, actually, I think this might be the more up to date. You might not want to call someone out on it, but you might say something like this is actually the most up to date reporting on that topic or on that subject. Um, and therefore, the other people in the group might slow down and not send it on. And therefore, you're you're flattening that curve as well. <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> that's it flatten the curve of misinformation yeah but i think that there is something to be said for that i've trying to i've been trying to do that a lot in like family groups and friend groups lately and once you get over the initial awkwardness of oh god i'm this person in the group you know there are ways to do it like you can still be a person you can still be decent about it and say actually you know there isn't going to be a lockdown there isn't a curfew you know and just try and get the true information out there i think we all have a responsibility to do that not just journalists but but everybody Yeah, I'm just going to, before we
0: go, just read out some of the things we have definitively debunked um, through the journal's fact check. No drinking water every 15 minutes will not protect you from getting the coronavirus. That was one that went viral quite early. Um, We went through the status-red lockdown. That did not happen. A fake tweet um, from someone purporting to be Leo Varadkar said that all Cheltenham race-goers from Ireland were being put into isolation immediately on their return. That was obviously not true and never happened. Another one that went around was about people advising others to stockpile food and um, because the hse said to do so that was again untrue and all of the advice and information has been to not stockpile food our food supply chain is completely fine and it will be fine throughout this whole saga um, we went through the no four young people are not in a serious condition in cuh and the the latest one we have is no you can cannot test for the coronavirus by holding your breath for more than 10 seconds and that was a widely shared message saying that this advice had come from Taiwan experts but real experts in Ireland say there is no evidence to support it whatsoever and we will continue to debunk messages as they come in our journal whatsapp number is available on all of those debunked articles which you can find and i'll give it again to you at the end of this podcast but for the moment thank you christine and thank you sean for joining us on the podcast from your living rooms kitchens hallways stairwells um, and blankets (laughs) (laughs) Thanks thanks for having us Thank you for listening to The Explainer and a big thank you to Sean and Christine for their time and work on this episode. As I mentioned, if you have a message that you've gotten on WhatsApp or Facebook or Twitter about the coronavirus and you're not sure about it and want us to check it out, message or mail us and we'll look into debunking it. Our WhatsApp number is 085 221 4696. That's 085 221 4696. Or you can email us at answers at thejournal.ie. Now, if you enjoyed this chat and learned something, we have loads more for you. Check out our back catalogue where you'll find loads of other shows about the coronavirus and more if you need a break from it. This episode of The Explainer was brought to you by executive producer Christine Bowen, producer Aoife Barry and assistant producer and tech operator Nikki Ryan. If you're enjoying the episodes, please, please, please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And more importantly, share them with a friend who you think will enjoy them. Thank you and catch you next time.